Well, good morning, everyone. Happy Lord's Day to you. Uh, Kids, you are dismissed to children's ministry. Have a fabulous time. And if you would please be opening up to Acts chapter 5. Much appreciation for Christian and Kerr and Sean for uh, giving me a breather, giving me some time off in the pulpit. Uh, it's, It's fun to just have a brain break, to not be thinking about the message uh, in its intensity as my weeks progress, uh, my, the study time of the week, it just gains in intensity. And even the message this morning, uh, I, I have been, I've been reminded, I was reminded last night in praying, because the message just wasn't sitting quite right. Sometimes that happens. You know, Kerr, Kerr said a couple weeks ago that the Lord woke him up in the middle of the night, changed everything. I don't know if I'm doing something wrong that's never happened to me. I was nervous last night. I was like, all right. And I did get up a couple times, but I didn't ask the Lord if he wanted to change it because I was nervous. No, I don't want to change the message. I just want it to sit in me well. <laughs> and I was describing that to my wife, Kathy, last night, just saying, I, I, I want it. I'm always looking for the word to do something in me so this doesn't just become a lecture or a seminary class, because this is God's word for us as a church, as his people, as we are seeking to invest relationally with one another as we're going after the Lord together. There's a now component of what God says to us, and we want to we be uh, having our ears tuned into that. What are you saying right now to me? You know, we come to church, and yes, we need, uh, by the preaching of the word, Romans 10 tells, that, tells us that by the preaching of the word, faith rises in us. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. We want faith to rise in us, amen? We want it to, because life's difficult, and we have challenges, and we want to meet those challenges with a trust in the Lord. But there's an encouragement that comes from this passage, but it's in the weirdest of ways. And I think part of the reason that this message wasn't sitting well in me is because I don't like how the encouragement comes. Because you know what God does? God encourages, he encourages us in the mission he has for us as his witnesses of Jesus', his, Jesus uh, death, sacrificial death and resurrection power in our salvation. He wants us to witness that and he will have us go through suffering to proclaim it. I don't like that anymore. To the culture of, to be honest, TBH, I don't like. And so I think part of it was, Lord, when, when, when can the, the mountaintop be longer than what the valley feels like? Because the valley feels like it's, because it, it is, it's long. And... Sometimes it feels like you're so deep in the valley that the sun never reaches over the mountaintop to be able to shine and warm us. And that's God's love that we're looking for. We want his love to reach over those mountaintops and pour onto us. But you reach the mountaintop and what happens? You get to it and it goes right back down. It's like, can we? I think of uh, Peter, James, and John when they were with 
Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration and they see this huge, wonderful thing. And Peter says, this is good for us to be here. Uh, how about we build some tabernacles? Can we build some, Jesus, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and just to sit and enjoy this. And Jesus says, no, that's not right now. We are sojourners in this life. There is a place where the mountaintop is a lasting peak. And we get to live on it for all eternity. Amen? That's heaven. We want heaven now. (laughs) But we're not there yet. Because God has a mission for us. And he has a mission for us to be encouraged in. And so I I hope that this will be an encouragement for you. uh, Because... The apostles and the disciples took a lot of encouragement from from their their leaders getting beaten for sharing the word of Christ. They took encouragement from that. We don't want we like to avoid those types of things. And not we shouldn't run into them either. So (laughs) let's let's have proper understanding. We shouldn't be looking for it. But it's is how do we how do we exist as God's people in his place for his glory? So we're going to be taking the, <coughs> excuse me, the second half of this chapter. Sean led us well through the first half last week. Verse 17 of Acts chapter 5. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and they sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported, we found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened, we opened them, we found no one inside. And when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. Someone came and told them, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. And the captain of the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charge you not to teach in this name. Yet, here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, take care what you're about to do with these men. For before these days, Thutis rose up claiming to be somebody and a number of men, about 400 joined him. He was killed and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. 
After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in this present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is from man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his, his advice, and when they had called the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. Jesus, be exalted. Please be exalted through the preaching of your word. Amen. You know, I think of just during worship, I thought of the, the, the verses in Isaiah 55, which are, are a comfort to us when we just are trying to ask God, what are you doing and why? Why are you doing this? Isaiah 55 verse 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Don't we want our ways to be God's ways? We pray that way. God, if you would just do this and this and put this together and make him or her think this. Sometimes it's not wrong to think that, but God's reminding us. Our ways are not his ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Jesus, the Father, has a mission for his church to be witnesses for Jesus, but he will do that in ways that are head-scratching sometimes, sometimes feel just cruel, God, how, how, Lord, is this situation for, for my good and your glory? How? See, we read of Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, standing up to Nebuchadnezzar and getting thrown into the fiery furnace. And we, we never really, it, it gets located in a story because if, does that really happen ever? I mean, would it really happen to us? Maybe to that, to, not maybe to that severity. Now, across the world, yes, that's happening. There are countries that are so angry to the gospel that yes, persecution resembles the, the merciless persecution of God's people through the centuries that we see with Nebuchadnezzar too. Now for us, we will meet that in particular ways. We will meet furnaces. It, it might be an emotional furnace or a spiritual furnace where just life feels different. And we are crying out in that moment, God, what I, I stood for you and I'm trusting you. I, I just don't know what else to do to escape this. And God, in his mercy and in his thoughts that are higher than our thoughts, in his ways that are not our ways, he doesn't bring the relief by taking us out of the furnace. He brings the relief by us recognizing there's another in the fire with us. 
See, we wouldn't choose it that way, would we? We would rescue. No, we have to rescue everybody that we know from every fire. And parents, we try to do that all the time with our kids. No, look, your decision you're making, I know where it's going to go. I've got to rescue you right now. Please, listen to me. I beg you, like the Proverbs. Listen, my son. Listen, I plead with you. <laughs> because we see where it's going to go. But as parents, as the body of Christ, we need to be able to recognize where Jesus shows up in the trials, in the furnaces, in the suffering of people we're walking with. Now, that means we need to know people well enough around us. It means we need to know one another to be able to be of that support and that encouragement so we feel the love from somebody. Bef- you know, it, sometimes it just falls. If we don't have that love understanding with one another we will come to the place of just lobbing an encouragement that doesn't stick. Because the, the glue, the love is that we're supposed to experience, then it, it gets, that encouragement gets infused with that love, and then there's, there's true relief. But we have to make that relational investment with one another in order to discover that. So Jesus walks with us in the valleys. He is with us. In the furnaces, we need to learn to see him. And the the apostles and the disciples, these early disciples, they saw him. What we see first happening in this passage is that truth frustrates the proud. Here, these apostles are preaching. They have been told. uh, Remember, they already told Peter and John, you got to stop doing this. They're not stopping because we see they... The command of God, the commission of God is way more important than the the position of man. And these guys want to hold their position, so they respond with jealousy. Jealousy motivated the rulers and the authorities. They didn't like the people going to the apostles rather than to them. And so their power was being tested. We see happening in our culture that when... I came across a, a tweet by Ray Ortland, a pastor in Nashville... He said, when a position is weak, the evidence is thin, the logic strained, then its adherents become shrill and pushy. We see that in our culture, both sides of the spectrum. When people are loud about their anger, it means they don't understand their argument. Happens in relationship. When you get frustrated that you can't win an argument, it's because probably you don't understand your argument. And so we resort to, so unbelievers looking at the church just resort to mockery. You're a fool. How could you ever? I can't believe it. And they gather other people. You hear this guy? Because they have no idea that their, their logic is strained and their evidence is non-existent and they don't understand their argument. So they get pushy. It's happening here. These, these leaders didn't know what was happening, but they don't like the fact that, I, I can't defend the fact that I don't like people going to you rather than to me. And so I'm going to get pushy. I'm going to get jealous and I'm going to get angry and rage and try to kill you. And then I'm going I'm to publicly expose you. Put them in public prison. Let's try to shame them. Try to mock them. See, we don't, as God's people, we don't have to shout the truth. Really, ever. We live it. 
and we learn to speak it in love. And when we speak that truth in love, Jesus is exalted. Remember what he said. When he's exalted, it's going to expose, it shines light on the pride that's in every man and woman's heart. But we don't have to shout the truth. As long as the truth is proclaimed, there will be persecution. And when truth is squelched, there is no persecution. So catch this. There are, there are nations that are trying to squelch the message of the gospel. But it's going to keep on going because people are living the truth. When you find empty churches in the United States, this happened in Europe. There are empty churches. They're not being sold off to be other things, uh, stores, condominiums. What happened in those churches? In a vast majority of them, they stopped preaching the truth. They squelched the truth themselves. So there's no persecution. And the temptation, even within the United States, that we, if, we, if we just don't proclaim the truth anymore, then we can be safe. And we see that happening with a lot of mainline old denominations. Within, they, they, are, they are choosing to go the opposite direction of truth. The opposite direction of truth when it comes to defining gender, men and women, and marriage. Standing for the truth means, well, there's going to be persecution coming. But if we don't stand for the truth and we go the way of the culture, then there's no persecution for the church. We want to live the truth, but we don't have to shout the truth. Then we see, which I love, this divine endorsement of the angels coming (laughs) during the night. The angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. That is awesome. Here, these apostles were arrested in an attempt to squash them out and intimidate them, but the angel shows up. But when the angel shows up, I don't know if this happened, it was the middle of the night, so you know, you, maybe they thought they were dreaming. Am I seeing ghosts? What is going on right now? But what's happening? God is telling these apostles, I'm on your side. You're doing the right thing. He opens the doors, which is a physical demonstration of what has already been their spiritual reality. Remember when Jesus started his ministry, he opened up, found the place in the prophet Isaiah, and he said, I have come to do what? Open prison doors. Bind up the brokenhearted. Heal wounds. See, this is just a physical display of what's happened already on the inside. And that's that's what miracles, signs, and wonders are about. They give, uh, they give the gospel sight for our eyes. Like, ah, that's what's happening. We still want to expect those because God does them. And what does the angel do? He doesn't say, hey, look, these guys are out to get you. Go hide. No, he sends them right back to the place that they got arrested. Go back there and keep on. Why? Because you need to preach this life. And I think he's, that's a capital L, so they know it refers to Jesus, but it's also the life that they're experiencing. Preach this life, because the words of life need to be proclaimed. And the apostles didn't get anxious, didn't try to figure out plan B. They simply obeyed. Now, angel shows up and tells you to do something like, all right, cool, happens again, you'll probably be here, open the prison door. That's awesome. Now, we know that didn't happen all the time for the apostles. Because we're going to read, Andrew gets arrested. He's the first martyr. 
Later on, Peter is executed. John is exiled to an island as an old man. So why doesn't God show up every single time like that? His ways are his ways. His thoughts are higher than us. But what is he doing all the while? He's with us. He's with us and he wants us to know that. Then, whenever whenever God shows up, whoever thinks they have power ends up confused. So the powerful get perplexed. The Sanhedrin faced an embarrassing situation when they could not find... Like all these guys, they loved the show of it. They loved the regalia of sitting in their seats on the council, 72 people. All right, time to bring them in. They're waiting, waiting, and some servant runs in. Uh, we can't find them. It's locked. Give us the guards. The guards come in. What is this going to come to? Because they didn't know if they were going to get killed in the place of these apostles because their command was, you need to guard this with, you guard these prisoners with your life. Philippian jailer, in a few weeks when we get to that part, uh, it's several weeks when, when on Paul's missionary journey, the Philippian jailer says, what must I do to be saved? That could be a physical, um, I could die if all of y'all leave. So how do I get saved? <laughs> need some insurance right now. But the jailers, were, they were expected to make sure everybody stayed there, and if they escaped, they had paid with their own lives. But it's an embarrassing situation for these guys. And the apostles, again, were doing exactly, and this goes to their embarrassment, they were doing exactly what they were told not to do by these people in authority. Teaching, and, and the ones in authority they didn't even want to say Jesus' name. Teaching in this name. Yeah, because the name of Jesus, you know, you, you have conversations with folks about God, but it's weird when you start bringing up Jesus, huh? The conversation gets a little different. People get a little more nervous because there's no other name given under heaven by which men must be saved but the sweet and precious name of Jesus. And what a precious, precious name. So here we have, we have all of this truth being proclaimed, which is causing the proud to respond in anger, and then there's a divine endorsement, and then they're perplexed, and they try to shut them up for good. Finally, we told you not to do this, but Peter says, no, our obedience to God is paramount. He's bigger than you, and we're going to obey him. We strictly charge you, verse 28, we strictly charge you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you intend to bring this man blood upon us. No, they're already feeling conviction from the name of Jesus. That's why they don't want to say his name. So what does this mean when, when Peter gets to that point? So we must obey God rather than men. Let's parse this out a little bit. This doesn't give... Disciples of Jesus' permission to go against authorities because we don't like laws or we don't like leaders. That's not what this is about. This really, it's central, it's central about the gospel proclamation for our lives. Remember, Peter himself, when he writes 1 Peter, in 1 Peter 2, 17, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. There's the same man saying, we're going to obey God rather than men, honor the emperor. 
Now, the emperor, we think we don't like some, some elected officials here and there. We would have not liked the emperor. Evil. I mean, he thought he was God and demanded worship. So how do we, how do, we do this? Well, Paul helps us. The apostle Paul helps us as well in Romans 13. He said, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Yes, that means he's talking about the emperor as well. All right, so let's get this, let's try to put this on. Let me finish, Romans 13, verse 2. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. God puts it in place, and he says, walk it out. But as we are walking it out, we are demonstrating that our submission to the earthly authorities that are over us is a demonstration of our paramount submission to Jesus himself. Now, when that authority says do something that is against God and requires it of every single one of us, that's where we step in and say, no, you're there. God placed you there, but God is over you. We make sure that there is a... if, If governing officials command that we do something that God forbids then we say, no, I have to obey God rather than man. And there could be some serious consequences for that, especially leading into the future as the way our culture is going. It might be a very real thing in short order. But when the government goes against God, that's why it's important to know his rules, his authority, to know how how to respond in that way. Because our desire as the people of God is for gospel proclamation. We want want our lives to be peaceable for the purpose of proclamation. We don't want the government to get in the way of our proclamation. And that's why Peter takes the opportunity to share the gospel again with these people. But look, again, uh, the Apostle Paul tells Timothy... 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 to 4. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings, and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceable and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. What is Paul saying? Live a peace. We want to pray for those leaders to allow us to live lives that proclaim the gospel. Because God's still saving people. And we want to be on mission with him. And we want to be witnesses for him. Because his plan is still to advance his kingdom through our witness. And what we find from an unlikely source in Gamaliel... This Pharisee who's on, remember the Sadducees and Pharisees, the Sadducees don't believe there's a resurrection. That's why they're really annoyed with the apostles who keep proclaiming that Jesus rose from the dead. And they are the majority of the uh, Sanhedrin, the ruling council for the Jews. And you have the Pharisees there, but the Pharisees, 
they, they had this weird partnership. So they would give certain Pharisees honor to be able to say things. That's why the Sadducees are going, ended up going with Gamaliel's recommendation. But what does this show us when Gamaliel shows up and says, you might find yourself opposing God? Does that mean he's close to the kingdom? He's believing maybe Jesus rose? I don't know. But I think what it shows us about God is that God's wisdom shows up in those sometimes that we at least expect it to show up. Remember when he used Sennacherib to accomplish his goal or Cyrus giving things to Ezra to go back and populate uh, the promised land, populate Jerusalem after the, the exile period? This Gamaliel was a smart dude, and he was, he was the one who trained Saul slash Paul. But Paul didn't take Gamaliel's approach. Paul said, no, I'm going to persecute the church. That's what I'm going to do, because I want to snuff this out still. So why did Gamaliel, who had this quite understanding approach to this, why did his, uh, his perspective and opinion win the day? Because God wanted it to. Because he was superintending even over that. Gamaliel brings up these two, uh, Theudas and Judas. And he says of both of them, they were struck down, they died, and their followers scattered. They perished, their followers scattered. Remember when Jesus said, strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter? He spoke that of his death. That when his death happened, yeah, his disciples scattered. But with his resurrection life, what did he do? With the giving of the Spirit, he brought everybody together. They're not scattering anymore. And that's why today we live in the grace and the wonder of their obedience to proclaim this life that we experience. So we we take encouragement from that to say, Oh, Lord, I want my life to display that life too. And may our relationships with one another display that life. Because we don't want to be scattered. We want to be unified. And I I love the fact that in in Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul says um, we want to maintain the unity of the Spirit. It doesn't mean attain the unity of the Spirit. We already have it because we have the Spirit. We need to maintain it. We maintain it by loving and caring and and pursuing. That's how we do it. See, there's no stopping God's plan. And he will use sometimes the unlikeliest or the least expected source to bring about his plan because his kingdom is advancing and he will protect the witness of his people. And then... Verse 40, called the apostles, they beat them. This could be the the 40 lashes minus one. This is brutal. This isn't just took you out back, roughed you up a little bit, tried to intimidate you. This, This was near death. And they walk out rejoicing. Why? Because in that moment, oh, may we get this, may I get this. They were more concerned about Jesus than their own physical condition. 
they were more concerned about identifying with their Savior than they were about how they felt in that they, they saw spiritually what was happening in that moment. Beyond the physical pain, they saw spiritually Jesus is exalted right now because everybody knows what just happened a few weeks back. Jesus was beaten like that. We got beaten just like Jesus. We're sharing his name. Jesus is being known. And they took rejoicing in that. Oh, that we would lean into God's plan, even though it doesn't make sense for us. We would lean into his plan, even though we would really like a different plan. (laughs) But we would lean into it. Because there are, there are questions we ask God and we don't get an answer. And you have a question you've been asking. Maybe you have a prayer you've been asking God just to answer. God, please. There just doesn't seem to be a response from him. Uh, that's where we are. Because remember, Jesus sympathizes with us in all of our weaknesses, which means he knows exactly how we feel Every single moment. When he was in the garden of Gethsemane, and he said, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And then we read, but not my will, your will be done. What if there was an hour in between that semicolon? That semicolon lasted a long time. If there be another way. Was, was the father silent to him in that moment? Was he reassuring him? There's not another way, but I've got you. I mean, they didn't give you the answer that Jesus was asking. Now, I also don't think that was, that was Jesus trying to change, like, oh, Lord, I am, God, Father, I am scared now. No, he knew in that moment that him taking all of our sin and the punishment that all of our sin accumulated upon himself, he would not feel as he had always known connected with the Father. That's how we feel. Am I even connected to you, Lord? Do you, do you hear? Do you see? Do you... And may we hear him say, yes, I know exactly what you're feeling. I've got you. I'm with you. And may that, those valley moments, those dark moments, may they become moments of rejoicing for us. That even though I don't know the outcome or I don't have the relief that I desire, oh Lord, can I know you're with me in that moment and it can, may, may it turn to rejoicing. May it turn into my, and we see in the Psalms where my complaint turns to prayer. My complaint turns to But God, you are there and you are sovereign and you have been working your plan way before I came along and you will be working your plan way after me. God, help me understand that plan so I can fit in where you want me and I can exalt Jesus the way that you desire so people can see this life. Amen. Look, he's still doing signs and wonders. He's still doing those. He hadn't turned off the spigot on that. No, no, no. It's still fully open. So we ask, God, show up. Please continue to show up in our lives. Several weeks ago, 
uh, we, we asked for the Lord to give us opportunity to share the gospel. Remember that? That happened. Uh, Benny told me a story how he got to share the gospel with somebody a few weeks ago. You know what? That's an answer to prayer. And that's awesome. And those are ways that the Lord says, come on, keep coming, keep coming. So we're going to continue to look for signs and wonders, whether that's healing, whether that's emotional peace, whether that is just a settled heart that says, God, just want to love you more than I want stuff. I want to love you more than I want a position. Lord, I just, I want you more than I want financial stability. I just want you. That's what the, that's what the apostles show us. They just wanted him. And they rejoiced. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for stirring our hearts to look at Jesus and to be enthralled with Jesus. Lord, our, I'm reminded that these apostles, they, they were rejoicing because they were counted worthy to suffer. And I appreciate how we sang earlier that we are who you say we are. So Lord, our, our worth is not dependent upon how much we suffer or don't suffer. Uh, our worth is being connected to Jesus. And that's what they wanted. So I, I pray that as we sense our worth in you, we would sense... You saying, because you are in me, Christ is in you. And Lord, I pray that we would reach a level of surrender, that everything we say and do sounds and looks like Jesus. And you would show up in in particular small ways, and you would show up in huge ways in our lives to proclaim the life of Christ. Use us, Lord, but remind us you are with us every step of the way. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. commission that we recite every week tells us Jesus is letting us know he's with us. So let's remember that. Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen. Jesus be with us.